Amazon would never disrespect the World Cup this way. And that <laughs> Cinema Ball has to fight for its very yes, existence. Absolutely. Hello, and welcome to the Cinema Ball Midseason Report. This Cinema Ball Midseason Report is brought to you by Feminist Frequency. Be critical of the media you love. I'm Carolyn Pettit, and I'm joined by my co-commentator, Ebony Astor. Hey, Ebony. Hey, Carolyn. You know, Ebony, we saw quite a showing from both of our competitors in the first part of the season, and I think we're going to see some more thrilling Cinema Ball play from each of them as the game continues. Let's do a quick rundown of the rules of Cinema Ball, go over what's taken place so far, and then discuss where things are going when the game resumes next week. Ebony, how does the game of Cinema Ball work? Let me tell you, I am so excited for this next round. Both of our players showed a lot of heart. They left everything out on that field. And I just think this is what the game is all about. And what's that game? Here's how it works. Two players face off in the murder, sorry, the cinema dome, uh, in the battle for movie nerd supremacy. The player on offense is attempting to get to a predetermined goal film within 10 or fewer moves while the person on defense tries with everything in their power to prevent this from happening. The combatants take turns linking from the current film to the next film via actors, directors, executive producers, or some other agreed upon criteria. If that goal is reached, the attacking player scores five points. If a goal is not scored within 10 episodes, the defender has been successful, has been dominant, and the players switch sides. Reaching a film that's one degree removed from the goal film can be treated as a field goal for three points with possession handed over to the other player. And interestingly enough, that's how the first part of our season resolved. The player on offense, a.k.a. me, chose as our goal film the Jean-Claude Van Damme... <laughs> I know. It's every time, every time, it's funny to me, uh, chose as the goal film, the Jean-Claude Van Damme, not so classic, knockoff. How do you which... call a film not classic when it features a character punching I... a snake? That right well, no, there, no, no. That, well, that means that should be saved in the Smithsonian. Well, that's where we wound up, Ebony, with that's the Jean-Claude, Van, the bona fide Jean-Claude Van Damme classic, Hard Target, directed by John Woo. Because on defense, you played skillfully enough that I was not able to link directly to knockoff. And I saw that the end was in sight. I was running out of turns. And so via the 1979 thriller, The China Syndrome, I was able to use Wilford Brimley's presence uh, in that film to link directly to Hard Target, in which he, of course, plays Jean-Claude Van Damme's Cajun Uncle Duvet. And so we did all get to enjoy Jean-Claude Van Damme punching a snake uh, in John Woo's first uh, English-language film, Hard Target, which I converted into a field goal for three points because that film stars Jean-Claude Van Damme and is thus just one degree removed from, uh, from uh, Knockoff, which was the goal film for the season. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Knockoff. 
Yeah, I, I have to tell you, this first round of Cinema Ball was absolutely thrilling to watch. You're watching two players at the peak of their careers, you know, just maneuvering and strategizing on the court, off the court, uh, around the ring. You know, they're playing many different kinds of sports at once. Cinema Ball just requires an activation of pretty much every area of the brain. And I tell you, you know what? Uh, we have absolutely loved watching um, what is probably going to go down as the sporting event uh, of the millennium. I think it's fair to say that at this point, yes. And, uh, of course, at the end of last season, uh, the competitor on defense, a.k.a. you, revealed the uh, the goal film for the next part of the season. Yeah, and I, I was... <laughs> I was delighted to choose this film, both because it was a foundational film for me as a child. I would say a smooth 63% of my current personality is based upon the sass I developed by watching and rewatching this film. But also because you and I share a, a deep love of 80s teen flicks. And I just thought this is going to be something that, you know, getting to it is it's not going to hurt me in the same way that having to watch Knockoff would have hurt. And so at the end of our last round of play, I revealed that I was selecting the 1985 teen classic, The Legend of Billie Jean, as our goal film for round two of Cinema Ball. She was a fugitive to the police. A sensation to the media. And a symbol of courage to young people everywhere to fight for what's right. The Legend of Billie Jean, directed by Matthew Robbins, featuring Pat Benatar's hit song, Invincible, rated PG-13. I have to say, this film put me in a very difficult position as a competitor, having to choose the starting film for the next part of the season, because, Ebony, brilliantly, brilliantly, you have selected a, a veritable minefield of a film, because this film... Uh, you know, it has in the lead role Helen Slater, who um, played uh, uh, Supergirl, of course, mm -hmm. which which um, also stars Peter O'Toole, which links <laughs> which links her to so uh, many people. I mean, which links her to yes, uh, like a, a whole range of classic Hollywood cinema ranging back through the decades. So you have you know the past in there. You have Christian Slater, of course, like uh, you know a very prolific actor in a lot of '90s cinema who still occasionally appears in films to this day. Um, you know, you you have an actor named Keith Gordon who um, was uh, one of the stars of an '80s, a beloved '80s film for me, uh, the adaptation of Stephen King's Christine. Yes. Keith Gordon Keith Gordon has gone on to be a, a quite a noteworthy director and filmmaker in his own right, so he has a very significant body of work, and I could go on and on. I mean, this film, it, it put me in a position of immediately feeling like I had to avoid so much right off the bat in choosing my, my starting film. So kudos to you, a brilliant opening move. Thank uh, you. Thank you very much. That. Um, let me... Uh, tell you a little bit about the, the epic struggle to find our starting film and then announce where we will be beginning when Cinema Ball resumes. At first, I thought about, in a, in a sort of homage uh, to the first part of the season, I thought about starting with a film uh, called White Material, directed by the French uh, filmmaker Claire Denis, um, 
which is a film I'd, I'd once uh, thought about choosing during the first part of the season because it, it uh, co-stars none other than Christopher Lambert, Friend the leading the man, podcast, Christopher yes, Lambert, the leading man in, in, uh, in Highlander, which was the first film uh, in our first, uh, first sequence. And uh, who also had a wonderful role as a villain in the follow-up, uh, w- uh, which was uh, kickboxer, uh, retaliation. Unleashed. Okay, retaliation. I knew it had some, one of those video gamey, uh, you know, subtitles, right? Um, Kickbox retaliation, yes, which was another uh, wonderful episode. But I also, you know, I I felt like I wanted. Uh, I know that that's a film that I would appreciate very much. It seems to be sort of very much up the Caro alley of filmmaking, you know, appreciation. And yet, I didn't want to start the season off with such a a uh, you know quite so serious film. I was in the mood to start things off with something perhaps a little more playful, a little more whimsical, yet still uh, a very you know respectable. A film that still had like cinematic cred, while nonetheless being not overly you know perhaps uh, dour or or serious in its in its concerns. And so, um, after much consideration, uh, I, I landed on a film which I have never seen and yet have really wanted to see because it stars uh, one of my favorite actors. Um, And it's made by a filmmaker who I have a lot of respect for, even though I haven't seen uh, much of his body of work. And that film was was Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, starring Forrest Whitaker, uh, directed by Jim Jarmusch. And, And I mean, like, uh, not, I, I don't mean to suggest that that film is is a. When I said I was looking for something lighter or more playful, certainly that film is not you know a comedy. It is not. A, a, but but you do have a a black man as a sword swinging you know mafia hitman. I, I I believe, and I just think that that concept in and of itself brings a certain amount of of. I don't know, just joy to me as a viewer going into a film like that because I feel like I'm entering a world that is somehow just the image of Forrest Whitaker like swinging samurai swords. There's just something about that that uh, that I just find inherently kind of joyous, you know? I am so excited for this. I have seen Ghost Dog. But, but, but I have to say... Unfortunately, oh! and I'm sorry to I'm sorry to you take the wind out of me. your sails as the wind was taken out of my sails um, <laughs> after I had selected this film because I was so excited and yet currently at this time Ghost Dog is not legally available for streaming on any uh, U.S. site. You go to Amazon, it says, you know, where it has a listing. It has previously obviously been available for rent, but it says our current um, relationships with our distributors do not allow for screening of this film in your territory at this time. It's not on Netflix. It's not on YouTube. It's not on Vudu. For whatever reason. Amazon would never disrespect the World Cup this way. And that (laughs) Cinema Ball has to fight for its very existence. Absolutely. Uh, just, you know, clearly the lack of respect for the sport in the larger culture, uh, it, you know, is something that we still we fight against every true, day. True, true. And so I had to move to something sort of adjacent to uh, Ghost Dog because I wasn't able to, uh, unfortunately, to have us watch that film. And so where I landed uh, instead 
is another another Jarmusch film that I myself have not seen, but that I've heard, but that again has a conceptual sort of uh, playfulness to it, and that I um, that yes, that I that I think um, will surely be interesting, whether it is fantastic or or kind of an uneven misfire, or you know, it will surely be an interesting viewing experience. And that film is the. Uh, is the anthology film Night on Earth, uh, which wow. which stars uh, uh, Winona Ryder. <laughs> a, million, a million people. Yeah. Uh, Winona Ryder, uh, you know, in particular, Roberto Benigni, um, and, you know, and other uh, sort of, you know, kind of recognizable uh, and very respected actors who are not, like, big names. Um, this is a film about... Um, taxi drivers and passengers in different cities around the world on the same night. And um, I've always uh, been fascinated by the concept of this film and yet have not uh, viewed it myself. And so that is where we will be beginning uh, the next season of, uh, the next sequence rather, of Cinema Ball. I would have been delighted with Ghost Dog. I am Mm -hmm. equally delighted with Night on Earth. Listeners, if you think I am insufferable now when talking about movies, imagine <laughs> college age Ebony, which is when I first saw Night on Earth, you know, smoking weed <laughs> outside my dorm and talking <laughs> about the latest films that we'd rented from the video store back when that existed and, you know, huddled in someone's room who had a VCR. Oh, this is going to take me back. I, I absolutely cannot wait. To, to talk about this film with you. What's interesting about your selection process, Carol, when you talked about going from white materials to uh, ghost dog to night on earth is the way that it emphasizes how we will be embracing both high and low culture uh-huh. in cinema ball. It is yes. not just about uh, talking about films that are widely or critically respected. We will also delightedly be talking about those films that that offer a little bit something else yeah. in terms of their enjoyment that simply can't be described or critiqued yeah. on a traditional scale. And, and I will also make this promise to you, listeners and fans, as in round one, unlike Carolyn, I will absolutely not be using any sense of cinematic cred to make <laughs> my selections. I will choose films that will be as painful as possible for <laughs> Carolyn to experience while being just barely tolerable for me. This I vow. That brings up a good point that we do have just a few uh, uh, personally established rules and restrictions and limitations on the films that we do watch uh, for Cinema Ball. Um, for instance, um, there will be uh, no, you know, torture porn uh, will be uh, no torture porn is allowed. That was a restriction that I put as I simply do not feel like I need the imagery or the experience of any such film rattling around in my already disturbed uh, subconscious. You know, that I, I just don't need it. Um, uh, Ebony, I think you had a, a limitation of your own. Yeah, I said I will not watch anything in the Exorcist movie universe. Um, and I mean, obviously, I'd like to extend that to <laughs> to anything in the sort of supernatural possession realm. Um, but specifically, any of the Exorcist movies, uh, I, I cannot and will not watch them. Like you, I just I have a very fragile uh, hold 
<laughs> on the monsters in my own subconscious. I don't need new ones invading it. And uh, just as a matter of uh, fairness in play, there is no use of the uh, ubiquitous uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon-esque internet tools on the internet. Of course, we can refer to uh, IMDB uh, and do our own research, but we aren't allowed to just plug in uh, uh, one actor's name and another to find the, the most advantageous sort of straight, you know, direct path from one film to another. These decisions do have to be made, you know, by by us with our own intellects and considerations. We're not. That's right. And uh, finally, because we are not self-made billionaires like (laughs) uh, Miss Kylie Jenner, uh, our final rule is that the films should be readily available on streaming services or in current release. And when we say readily available on streaming services, we mean to rent. I would never make Carolyn buy (laughs) Cyborg Cop 2 for $17.99 purely for a round of cinema ball. I might buy it for her as a gift, but I yes. will not require that she spend that money on her own. Nor will we, you know, uh, torrent or illegally download such films because you wouldn't download a car. Um, well, Feminist Frequency is known for our respect for uh, yes. the federal government and law enforcement. So we absolutely will be following the rules. <laughs> right. That's pretty much going to do it for this Cinema Ball mid-season report. I can tell that the field is just about ready for our competitors to take their places. So join us on August 3rd when Cinema Ball resumes with the first episode of the next part of the season on Jim Jarmusch's film Night on Earth. Please be sure to tell your cinephile friends to subscribe. And also, please write us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. That's the best way to get more people to find it. Cinema Ball is produced by Sarah Nerales and hosted by Simplecast. Let's check the scoreboard. Carolyn 3, Ebony 0. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We will see you back here real soon. Let's get ready to rumble! (sighs) Nice. All right.